Hello and welcome to the State News Sports Roundtable. I am your host, Eli McCowan, and I am joined today by the men's basketball beat reporter, Paolo Andrea and sports GA, Sean Ryder. How we doing today, boys? Doing pretty good. A wild night last night, tell you what. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree. It's incredibly wild. I fell asleep at 1 a.m., woke up to the news, and, you know, I, it was crazy. I mean, the whole night, we start with Illinois and Michigan State, who it seemed like when we were originally planning out the pod, we were only going to briefly touch over and say, wow, blowout win, and then quickly that changed. Yeah, uh, the funny thing is, each week we have to do our score prediction, and this was the first week out of the stretch, the three game stretch, the former three game stretch, where I didn't pick MSU because I said, okay, they're probably gonna they're gonna show up for this one, they're gonna show up for this one, and I picked Illinois. I said, okay, they they haven't shown it to us yet, and they came out finally with what I think we were looking for from them in the first half, and then I guess the reversal in the second half. Uh, I did not expect Illinois to retake the lead. Ended up covering. Uh, minus two, which I happen to take yeah. for our picks, but we can get into that. I mean, Rocket Watts was, especially in the first half, was incredible. Mm-hmm. It, absolutely incredible. I think he had, what was his final? 21, 21 points. Twenty-one point nine for 14 from the floor, two for four from the three-point line. What about his performance? Yeah, I they, they talk about Aaron Henry, about how they need to kind of draw plays up for him to get him involved. Rocket Watts seems to be the answer in terms of we need somebody they keep saying we need somebody to create for himself well he's doing that they have Cassius and Rocket to do that now and I think you see Tillman have a little bit better game because of that you see Henry be able to open up a little bit it's it's immense it's huge I yeah I mean Watts just showed so much control too like when he drove to the basket it wasn't out of control when he was taking shots, they weren't bad shots either. I mean, like it was, it was a really mature game overall, and he went off. So, and he didn't take that one extra bad shot that he normally mm-hmm. ends up taking and gets unbenched. He, he's 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 really growing up before our eyes. And I think defensively, he brings a lot to the table. He's got a lot of lateral quickness that helps him stay in front of guys. And I, I've been impressed because, frankly, you know, when you, when we saw him in the Kentucky game, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, Rocket Watts is going to be incredible when he was when he was starting." And then he has that rough first game, and it kind of just didn't seem like he was there yet. And now it seems like he's starting to arrive. Because even in these last few games where he wasn't on top of his game, he was, or where Michigan State wasn't on top of their game, he was still coming out and performing at a high level. And I thought with Cassius Winston not having his best game as well and then still being able to come out with it was pretty um, significant. Um, another, I, yeah, another thing, Tillman, I thought, I thought it was pretty – Symbolic that he finished that one in the first half of the dunk when normally he doesn't, and then the end of the game just comes flying two-handed, just the complete opposite of what he's been doing. He he definitely redeemed himself there. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, I mean, Aaron Henry also had himself a pretty good basketball game. He would five for eleven. He he also had thirty-five minutes in this one, which I didn't really realize that going in. I'm just looking at the box score, and. I didn't feel like he was on the floor for that long, but I mean, he also had a really big impact on the defensive end. He had a really big block at the end too. That was huge. Um, now overall, I mean, obviously you don't like to see a team come back 
on them as much as they did in Illinois, but that's a really good Illinois basketball team. If anytime you can go into Champaign and come out with the win. It's I, an absolute shame. I hope the Sumo went down the way that he did. Yeah. That's, I mean, truly he is one of the best college players in college basketball right now. Hope he's going to be fine, but that looks rough. Well, and as of right now, I looked before we started recording, there was no news on his status, but it did not look pretty when he immediately grabbed his knee and that just because i mean for illinois prospects this season alone you don't want to see him go down and he's just been incredible but yeah um so next we're going to move on to the story of the night and the story of the day and that is according to sources mel tucker is going to be the new head coach of michigan state football has not been fully confirmed by anyone by the Michigan State football or anything yet, but it seems more than likely this is going to be the head coach for the guy or the man moving forward. He went five and seven at Colorado, um, brought in the number thirty-five recruiting class, has NFL experience. What was your guys' initial reaction to the hire? Look, I mean, I'm wearing the hat right now. I'm a Bears fan. When I think of Mel Tucker, I'm gonna think about the Trestonniers. I'm gonna think about two of the worst defenses in Chicago Bears history. I'm. Okay, so they announced the news. That was the first thing I thought of. Wasn't overjoyed, but I was just happy that a move had been made. That being said, we can look at the Georgia defense. That was very good. We can look at what he did at Alabama. That was pretty good, too. I like his pedigree. The recruiting that you mentioned, he's been doing really well with that. And there's a reason why all these Boulder fans are so upset. I mean, they rightfully should be upset. He did promise on Twitter you know, he's staying behind. He's not going to be there anymore. But... I mean, the future did look bright at Colorado. I do like the resources he should be able to bring in. So I don't – he's going to have to prove himself to me personally, but I think everybody else, I think everybody should be excited about this move. And on that point, my first reaction was, okay, I'm glad that a move has been made. And I didn't want to necessarily look at it as just that, but what I did find promising is that, one – it wasn't outside hire. It wasn't Trestle. I that was my worst fear. Yeah. Two. I think the what's most promising about this whole thing is the fact that the university is finally allotting money to now the now the now head coach to you know go and maybe hire some high profile assistants or and what the terms called it his quote unquote coaching budget. They're giving him resources were under D'Antonio whether he wanted to hire outside guys or not. It just didn't seem like they were looking to do that. It didn't seem like they were looking to expand any resources to anything beyond the head coach. And I think that's I think that's the biggest the biggest thing I took away from it. And I his contract or the full terms haven't been fully disclosed yet, but the reports are that he's going to get double what his salary was at Colorado, which was two point seven million. So it's gonna be around the five and a half million range. He's also going to get, I don't remember the exact number, but it's around, and it's not also not official yet, but it's around the 6.5 to 7 million for his assistance, somewhere in that range, which I believe when I looked at it was higher than Ohio State's uh, pool for assistance last season that they had money pooled into. That's the for the pool of assistance? That's for the pool, saying? yes. So th- I think this is the first time Michigan State's fully committing and saying, okay, we're going to go out and put the money in. We're going to, we want to compete in the Big Ten East because if they want to compete, they have to have some of the best assistants. And we've seen that over the last few years when they haven't, they don't, they don't perform well. Yeah. And that, that's why, I, again, that was the biggest thing I took away from it because that was my issue 
for so many years with the way they were running the you know high end coaching in, in terms of football, they that just that seemed to be lacking. And it seems they're finally you know D'Antonio's gone. They have to make a move, and they're they're starting to do it. Another extension of like us going our MSU the university going out and blowing the bag pretty much. Um, I don't know if they doubled it, tripled it, but I know we're getting a heck of a lot more money in the strength and conditioning department, mm-hmm. which considering how many injuries we've had over the past two seasons, that, I mean, was something that needed to be focused yeah. on, and I like that they're getting the money right there. And then he, um, they're also talking about the assistants. It just broke as we were kind of talking, or we were getting ready to start recording, that Vince Morrow, the Kentucky assistant coach, he's also their recruiting coordinator, is going to be offered around close to $1 million a year to come here to coach at, at Michigan State. It's unclear whether he'll take that, what his interest is, or anything like that. But that would be another big get for Michigan State in terms of their recruiting department. For sure, yeah. I mean, and would you say that, um, what was it, 35th in the nation? Was 35th. It? I mean. According to 24-7 Sports, I think ESPN actually had it at 34 as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, the amount of times in the past week that I've heard, like Midwestern recruiting roots, say something along the lines is honestly very tiring. But I mean, that's what we do kind of need. And if he can perform on his recruiting possibilities with Vince Morrow, I mean, we should MSU should be in a pretty good state. Yeah, and how how long has he been there as their main recruiter, or not main recruiter, but just as a recruiter? I'm not sure his exact tenure, but he was somebody who's. I mean, he's brought in a few recruits that Michigan State was trying yeah. to get, and they, they decided to later go to Kentucky. Um, and that's what I was going to say is because the last few recruiting classes, Kentucky, they I mean they've been they've been on an upward trend to say the least. Yeah. In terms of recruiting, they've brought in a lot of talent. And I think Kentucky's kind of somewhat an attractive spot now, whereas mm-hmm. I don't know five six years ago, I mean that just. He's been there since 2012, and I can tell you, yeah, Kentucky was in the dumps in 2012. Exactly, and now they, you know, top 25 team. I mean, that's that's huge for them because, I mean, they were they were a bottom feeder of the SEC, and yeah, they brought in some good classes. So, the Midwestern thing is huge, I think, as well, just because recruiting this region. I mean, that's what that's what the school has thrived off of. So yeah, that's uh, that is definitely very promising. I think, frankly, them just going you're seeing now that there's reports of them at least going after some other people Mm -hmm. shows that they're trying to start a new trend here at msu and i think that's huge because in recent years you know a lot of the staff has gotten a lot of flack you know when d'antonio decided to instead of revamping his staff i'm going to rotate instead of you know doing other things it's like there was a lot of criticism that came with that and i think the, the fan base is going to be re-energized by some new blood, some new different things happening within the program. I think Mel Tucker's in his late 40s? He's 48. 48. So young blood, I think people are going to really like this higher. I and mean, we'll see what happens on the field because I think next season's going to be a bit of a struggle no matter who he brings in on his staff uh, with the talent that's there, who they're losing on the defense. Um who's going to be the quarterback. There's a lot of questions that come with who's what the on the play field is going to look like. And in Colorado, I mean, he went five and seven. Um, but Colorado was also a program. I looked at it before coming in. They, in since the year 2000, they've only had five winning seasons and four of those winning seasons came within the, um, from between 2000 and 2005. Their last winning season was 2016. I think. I think we also, 
I believe it was 2016 as well. Yeah. But I think we also have to consider that the Pac-12 last year made absolutely no sense whatsoever, and Colorado's in the Pac-12. I mean, Colorado did have a nice win over Arizona State. That was a pretty good team, as we might, as MSU might remember. They beat Nebraska, which not a great team, actually, but they played close against a USC, only lost by four points. I mean, there's a couple swing games in there that one play goes a different way. I don't know. They might have been bowl eligible. Well, and I think seeing them or seeing Tucker recruit the 35th ranked recruiting class in one year in a place in Colorado that's not a prime destination by any means and not to say that you know Michigan State is a I mean it is a good destination but it's not you know it's not your Alabama's not your Florida's not your USC's that are just going to bring in five-star recruits no matter who the coach is Um, but seeing them bring in a 35th ranked recruiting class I think that speaks volumes under the way he's been able to recruit in recent years. I mean, what did D'Antonio's end up being? Uh, somewhere in the f- mid 40s. Exactly. 43, I believe. 43, exactly. yeah. And and it was I think it was like 10th or 11th in the Big 10 whereas yeah. and I mean, it's, yeah, that's the that's the worst part. Yeah. I mean, it'd gone down in recent years and, I, and the guy who was kind of leading our recruiting was Bullman who has gotten a lot of flack about the way he's coached. Um, he's our offensive line coordinator. So it's going to be really interesting. I think, you know, everyone was really fixated on Fickle, and we'll kind of hop into that in a minute. Um, but I think this f- is a good hire for them moving forward. I think just in the sense of they got somebody that's different than what's there now, because not even just the sense of the play on the field, but a lot of the stuff, the controversy that swallowed the program with the Blackwell allegations, possible NCAA violations, the things that are happening outside on this campus, I think it's good to get new blood in there. Absolutely, I agree. And it's going to be an adjustment for the fan base. It's going to be an adjustment for the university, but I think it's an adjustment that needs to be made, and it's pretty significant. So this got to let it play out pretty much. Yeah, and Eli, like you said, just as a final point, I think the main thing... I think we need just, no matter what the record ends up being, the, there needs to be a little bit of a spark out there. And that's something that's been lacking in the past three, four years here. I, if they, they show a little bit, a little bit of energy, as you said, in, in the program, just something to get behind that's going to be huge. And I think you'll be able to tell next year whether or not they're three and nine or six and six or, you, you know. Yeah. And I think you see, like you said, the, desire on the field I mean the defense is in the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl and things like that that was a defense with led by like Darian Harris Shalik Calhoun and these other guys who wanted to go out and flat out dominate you every single time and that's something that Michigan State just seem seemingly hasn't had that like I'm gonna go out and we're just gonna flat out dominate you in our way to play and that's something that hasn't really happened and even like the year they went 10 and 3 it wasn't fully there but now I mean, we'll see what ends up happening, but he's an energy, Tucker's an energy guy. Maybe he brings back some of that energy, and we'll see what ends up happening. Um, tonight, the Board of Trustees meetings at 5 p.m. Paolo will be there in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting um, setting and a very um, tentious meeting tonight. Yeah, I'm uh, interested to see if Tucker will be there, which I'm hearing he will be, but I'm not 100% on that. But, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see kind of his opening remarks and, I mean, when he is formally introduced. So, yeah, I, uh, this should be this. I mean, this is a pretty big, this is a pretty big moment where we're witnessing the end of a <laughs> very, very good era of MSU football. 
And this is, um, this could be huge looking back. Yeah. So speaking of the era that we're um, moving on from, we're going to talk a little bit about D'Antonio's retirement, which we didn't get to touch on the last podcast because when we recorded the sports gambling podcast, the day later, D'Antonio retired. So um, what was your initial reaction when D'Antonio initially retired last week? I don't want to say shocked, but I was caught off guard. I mean, I did not expect this at this time, especially. I figured if he was going to retire, he's going to do it back right after that bowl game, pretty much. And he kind of did in a way. I mean, only, what, 17, 20 days later or whatever. But I guess I was shocked in a way, um, just because, not because that really happened, but just because it's weird to think about. It's weird that Mark D'Antonio, the only MSU football coach I'd ever really known my whole life, ever really watched my whole life, was going to be gone. The guy that was synonymous with Michigan State was on his way out to retire, and that was that. So I was pretty, I was caught off guard by that. Yeah, and I don't think you could have said it any better than that. Uh, I grew up around this school, so D'Antonio and Izzo, those were that was my football coach and that was my basketball coach, mm-hmm. and I. The one thing I took away from it is that I realized how rare it is to have that luxury where we had, or MSU had two very, 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 very successful coaches in the two major revenue programs at the same time. And there was no question about, you know, when U of M was going through Rich Rod and Brady Hoke, like D'Antonio was a mainstay. And yeah, it's it's just my first reaction was, I guess, appreciation for the fact that he did had the run that he did because you see how difficult it is, and now that it's over, yes, the latter years could have gone a lot better, but from when this guy from Cincinnati came here, kind of like Fickle, it would have been exactly like Fickle. He, yeah, one of those winningest. One, the winningest coach in school history. I mean, it's. I mean that that's all that's all that can be said about it. Because I took the time after the press conference. I kind of like, because when the initial news hit, everything went crazy here at the newsroom. Anyone who was here can attest to that. And we were all you know trying to put things together last minute. And when the press conference happened, I didn't get back until that uh, was probably one one o'clock in the morning. And I like got down to my bed and I kind of just sat there and thought about it like. This is weird. Like, this is really weird because I didn't know how to feel about it, you know? And, and, and when I fell asleep, I still didn't know how to feel about it. And when I woke up the next morning, like, my brother called me in the morning, and he asked me, the first thing he asked me, he goes, did you hear about D'Antonio retiring? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard about it. Like, <laughs> you know, um, and, and he asked, he said something to me, you know, he, he went to Michigan State. He was here during the Rose Bowl time. You know, he was here during that golden era, really, like that we were just talking about. And he said, you know, what's like the response on campus up here? And I was like, I don't think anyone knows how to react to it. And he goes, well, I kind of figured that everyone would be like glad that he's gone because you guys wouldn't appreciate it. And I was like, I think more than anything, everyone's kind of like just weird about it because nobody knows like what's going to happen next because we haven't, anyone who's in our age group, this 19 to 20 year old age group grew up with Antonio. Like my first memory was his press conference. And it was weird to see it because it was like, I don't know what's going to happen next because this is like a weird, I've never been a part of a coaching search at MSU really. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't remember when D'Antonio got hired. There was a little bit of speculation when 
Izzo kind of flirted with the Cavs back in like a few years ago. Um, but it was weird, and I didn't know how to like react. So I wrote like a column on it about how it's always going to be complicated because as much as the the last the latter years were um, really bad, and there was a lot of stuff that went with it that wasn't very good. We'll always be able to look back on the good times, but it's always gonna that last few years is always gonna sit with me in a weird way. Not just the play on the field, but a lot of the stuff that happened off of it. And I'm with you on that. I think like our initial reactions, like the shock was compounded some more because we just didn't get any answers. If anything, we just got more and more questions because you see, okay, well, D'Antonio got uh, he retired. And then you click on an article, and it's all these things about Blackwell. And then that press conference, I don't know what you guys thought about his press conference. I watched it in complete silence of, like, four of my buddies. I, I, I Frankly, I thought it was weird. And I thought Chase made an excellent point in the column that he wrote about that. You know, D'Antonio gets up and says, this is a celebration. I'm not going to answer any questions about some of the other things he's getting questions about, which he writes the questions that need to be asked. And... You don't really need to, what Chase said, you don't need to tell people that's a celebration if it really is. Yeah. It, the, the feeling of that press conference, and Paolo can attest to it, it was like before leading up to it, it was very tense. Mm. Like it wasn't a celebration mood. This was a like sitting there and you're kind of like, this press conference is going to be really weird. Like it wasn't a feeling of, oh, he, it's going to be a really, you know, we're going to, everyone's going to ask him, you know, what about your legacy? What are what are you, you know, looking forward to? It was a lot of what changed. And he talked about, you know, the latter years not being as fun as the when he first started. You know, the last couple of years haven't been as fun for him, you know, in a way. And now he doesn't know where he's going to, you know, what his next thing. And he goes, I, one of the things he said was, I'm trying to figure out what hobbies I'm going to do. Because when I thought about it, other than being bad at golf, I don't have many other hobbies, was what he said. You know, and it was like this really, like, sad but also very tense moment because you could feel it was like you could almost like cut it with a knife the tension in there yeah i now that you bring that back up when he was talking there was just there was so much that he i guess went through i didn't really process it all at the time but him talking about his hobbies and all that i guess it didn't really set in with me at the time but to sean's point in that atmosphere yes it was very tense so on one hand I didn't really expect him to really address any of those questions. I kind of that's I, it didn't really surprise me at all because I mean like like Chase said in that and it's just Antonio he's defiant like if it's I kind of expected that but um, as far as <laughs> I guess his personal things he was saying how he could not promise to recruits anymore that he would be there for the future and I thought that was probably his most valid point on you know why why was a good idea to retire besides you know perhaps you know avoiding the Blackwell stuff and I, I guess as the Michigan State head coach but I did think to myself yeah I'm glad that he did because he he'd be delaying the future at this yeah. point because that's kind of what everybody thought and he kind of he kind of came out and addressed it and that part I, I appreciated the most I think so and when we were kind of wrapping up the press conference and we were sitting back and we were all writing our stories for it, you were obviously covering, there was a basketball game that mm-hmm. night too that happened. There was a whole, really, whole other thing that was going on. One of the jokes going around was like, oh, there's a basketball game going on because it didn't seem like it that was going on. Um, the rumor going around was it's going to be Luke Fickle. 
Not even a rumor. It was at the time. It was. It's definite. It's going to be Luke Fickle. David Jesse reported from the Detroit Free Press that he was the front runner, and to say the least, that whole process was a debacle. Yeah, and I think we could have guessed it would have been a debacle. This is our first coaching search since two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, we're not really finely tuned to how it, like a program like Ole Miss, who has gone through a lot of coaches in our still like in our span that we have had one consistent coach. We're not used to coaching searches, and when somebody comes out and even before like D'Antonio was gone, it fickle seemed like the logical next guy. I mean, I remember hearing people talk about that, like if we only if we could only get him in here. Um, so I think it was a debacle. I mean, the fan base was hyper fixated on. I don't think anybody else was really out there, an MSU fan at least, that was really like, oh, well, I mean, I like Matt Campbell, or like, hmm, Marduzzi would be better. It was all in on Fickle all the time, and that led to the weird airport videos with the shoes and whatnot. Um, but that's just what a coaching search really is. I mean, when you have people that are that passionate about something, they're going to go out and do that. Yeah, and I wasn't exactly crazy about Fickle. Like, when he came up, I said, you know what, Cincinnati guy – Following D'Antonio's footsteps, probably good recruiting base in Ohio, but I'm just happy that they kind of responded and didn't, you know, promote internally and go through an interim period and delay it even further. So I'm overall, I, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the way they, they handled that. I think the part that was most disappointing to me watching it was not because I wasn't. There was a lot of people who were really high on Fickle. I was kind of in the same position as Paulo, where I was like, "I'm, I'd be like that would be a good hire, but I'm not feeling like." I, for me, I was sitting there saying I wanted something new, something different than the past, and Fickle just kind of felt like a repeat. Not that he exactly. coach liked Antonio, but it's like he's following along the same footsteps. He's coming in the same way. And like I said, not that he would be D'Antonio, because I think he would be a lot different. He'd be an and, updated D'Antonio yeah. pretty much. And I think he would be different, but I, there was some, I feel like there was just something that needed to be done different. And then the hiring process, you know, like to John's point, talking about there's people taking pictures of people's shoes at the airport, videotaping Beekman, walking off planes, and tracking airplanes and we saw him in Frandor. Like, yeah, there was a bunch of different random things that came out. But I think the most disappointing part to like the whole thing was seeing um the trustees and the way that they kind of acted on the sides a little bit. Um Brian Masalam said he, on ninety seven won the ticket for whatever reason why he went on ninety seven won the ticket to talk in the first place is beyond me. But he came out and said we don't want a waffling flake as our head coach. And it's like you're putting out a thing that's basically be saying, like, we don't want someone who doesn't want to be here, which, to a point, that makes sense. You don't want someone who may want to go, but you don't go out and say that publicly. It, yeah, a really question move on his part, just in general. I, I don't know how you, like, go out there in a clear headspace and, and start saying, like, we don't want someone who a maybe guy to come out here. It's just because that's just shooing people away. And when did he say that? This was like a day yesterday, I think, that he said it. So, was that somehow, or was that su- suggesting like a shot at Fickle? In any it way? it was. That, that's what I'm. Assuming, yeah, the but. question was about. I, I don't remember. I don't know what the exact question was asked, but he said, "Oh, it didn't have anything to do with Fickle." But it, the what in the context of the situation, yeah, there's, it, it, there's nobody else you could be talking about. You don't gain anything by. I mean, it's, was that on the Valeni show? 
I don't know if it was on the Valenti show. I know I think it was on the, one of the earlier morning ones. But it, I, I just I don't understand why he takes that interview in the first place. Like at this point, it's not his position to be talking about the coaching search. It should be within Michigan State University, and yeah, that's and you come out and you say something like that. Like I don't understand what his point was in saying that. I did think a little bit it got taken out of context because the end of it he says who doesn't want to who doesn't want to be our head coach. Because I do think you want to bring in somebody who wants to be here. At the end of the day, that's very important. But in the way that he phrased that goes it, without saying, yeah, yeah, it, it really does. Yeah. Um, but it, D'Antonio's retirement, it's an interesting one, and we're moving on from an era that's had a lot of highs and a lot of really low lows. <laughs> and now we're moving into a new era, and it's going to be a very interesting time, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited for the new blood. That's, that's, that's about it. He's got to prove himself to me, but I'm biased. Um, I hope he goes out, and I hope he does well. Yeah. So next we're going to move on to what we do every single podcast, and that is a trivia segment. So I got three questions for you boys. I'm going to turn the computer over here so you can't see. All right. So we're going to throw up. This is an underhand pitch to you guys, an easy one to start. Who was the last MSU football coach to serve for over 10 years at Michigan State? Pearls. was Pearls. Yep, easy. Then second one. Mel Tucker was interim head coach of what NFL football Jacksonville team? Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. Sean's on See, a roll I, here. I was not getting that next one. It was 2 in the morning. I was skimming the Wikipedia. I was, I was, doing, the... My, I was doing my work. Then, lastly, what was D'Antonio's final record in bowl games? Oh, I counted it out. 12 and... Because he had 13. He had 13. He went to 12. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's terrible. Um, if you count losses... Yeah, wins is win and loss record. Eight and four. That's my guess. That's my guess. Throw it to you, Paulo. Nine and three. Six and six. Really? Oh, six really? and six <laughs> in bowl think, games. Well, I'm try- there's definitely some earlier, the ones from his earlier years that I'm not thinking about. Yeah. He lost, I believe it was four straight to start out. Okay. And then okay. he right. won. Yeah, and then the last couple of years he kind of went back and that forth. Was- um, but yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, I th- I was like looking into it because I'm trying to find trivia questions, and I was like, I felt like he would have would have had a winning record. I just I was definitely younger for those uh, mm-hmm. so my memory is not as good. But wow, I yeah I I would have thought so as well. Mm-hmm. So and the thing we're gonna wrap up with here is Paulo and I's games that we bet that we talked about we were gonna do last week on the sports gambling pod, and we're gonna talk about a few of our sure sure thing quote unquote bets that we made and we'll leave sean in here just to comment and as the expert here (laughs) so were we i can't even remember i had penn state covering when when they came here penn state at michigan state was that like do we already go over that one i don't think we had we didn't go because i had that that was plus eight yeah plus eight yeah but they they won so i had that i had illinois covering last night of course which I thought was long gone in the first half, and then evidently it wasn't. I can't believe MSU still won in Illinois. That was that was just insane. Um, I had Penn State covering at Purdue last. Night. I did too. Mm-hmm. I did too, and they. I saw the score during halftime, and I was very much pleased. I did not have a lot of faith in that one because I was like Purdue at home in Mackey. I was like that one's not going to be an easy one. But they Penn State's legit. Mm-hmm. They are legit. They can shoot the hell out of the ball, that's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and then I'm just, 
I had Penn State. No, yeah, okay. I had Penn State at Purdue. Sixers covering against the Clippers, and I believe they did. I, they had, the op- I had the opposite of that. Okay, and oh yeah, and then I don't know if this one counts, but the UNC UNC Duke. I would have taken Duke, so I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I missed on that one. So some of the ones that I had, I'll go do some different ones that you brought up. I did have the clip. I had the Clippers minus one and a half. They did not do that. I'm going to stop looking at the Clippers because I did it on the last podcast too when they went against the Spurs, and both times they were they did not do it. So I'm just going to stay away from that. Um, I went with Sean's Chicago Bulls over the Washington Wizards. They were at plus three going down to Washington. Terrible. And I thought, I was just like, the Wizards are terrible. And I was like, yeah, they got Bradley Beal. But I was just like, I mean, I was like, I have faith. They can do it. They did not do that. Um, I had Kentucky over Vandy. Kentucky was minus 11 going into Vanderbilt. And I was just like, Vanderbilt's pretty terrible. But in the first half, they were winning in the first half. And when I finally turned on the game, Kentucky was only up by two. But they ended up covering by over 11. Yeah. So that was good to see. I also had Penn State plus five. Um, Ohio State, I had they were plus two and a half over Michigan. I got that one last week in basketball. And I also, um, Tampa Bay Lightning, this is an NHL one I did. Mm. I stepped into a different range I, on I, this I, one. I'll do one with you because mm-hmm. I haven't watched a game of hockey in forever. And the Tampa Bay Lightning were plus 115 mm-hmm. over Pittsburgh. And I was like, well, Pittsburgh just made a big trade. There could be some different things happening there. I'm going to go with it. And they did. They won in overtime. So So where does that leave you, record-wise? Um, so out of the 10 that I picked, and I didn't touch all of them, I did have Michigan State, Illinois. I had Illinois plus two. I had Hornets and Rockets. I don't remember what the line was, but I picked the Hornets. I think they were like plus 14, and I said – and Russell Westbrook was resting. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, they can cover that. They did not. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went – Four and six in the ten that I picked. So mine, I reduced my sample size down to five. I think I'm going to start doing that from now on. But I had four out of five, considering I definitely got a little lucky this week with the Illinois. Um, but, yeah, four out of five. Not bad. Not bad. Sean, what are you looking at over there? I see you looking at my bookie. Kansas plus one tonight, West Virginia. I like that. Uh, Kansas on the road? It's on the road. Ooh, I want to watch that game. I, West Virginia's, but I haven't watched Kansas or not, I've watched Kansas, but I haven't watched West Virginia this season, so I might also have to tune in. West Virginia is really good. Yeah, I like them a lot. Kansas is really good, so that should be a fun game. Should be a fun one. But that's all we have for you guys today. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Paulo and Sean, for hopping on today, and you, we uh, will see you guys next week.